Hey everyone, what's up? Episode 2 of the Alpha Brew Podcast. I'm just sitting here getting over a cold, hopefully I don't sound too nasally. Nonetheless, this episode is brought to you by my friends at Nova 3 Labs. Nova 3 Labs makes incredibly effective supplements. My favorite two, my dog wants to come inside, that's why she's barking if you can hear her. My favorite two supplements are Max Adrenal and Max Sleep. Max Adrenal just helps the way your body perceives stress, physical or mental. All that stuff that we deal with every day. Think about it like waking up early, making breakfast, making food if you have kids for their lunch, getting them to school, dealing with your bills. Your dog pukes on the carpet for some reason. <laughs> you're not sleeping enough. You're working out super hard. So you're just not recovering the way you should. Max Adrenal will help with all that stuff. Right, And then max sleep also just helps your body just get deep, restorative sleep. I get crazy dreams from it. I, wake, I don't wake up groggy at all. It's amazing. That, that, that one two combo right there has given me better sleep and recovery than I felt in, I don't even know how long, several years. Go to Nova3Labs.com. Use the promo code AlphaBrew, and you will save 15% off your order. Another sponsor for this episode is Box. Our friends at Imam Box, tailor and curate high-quality subscription boxes mailed right to your door every month with amazing brands that are feed you products that you might, you know, otherwise never really pay the money to test them out. And this gives you like a really low barrier to entry to testing out new brands and products that you might otherwise just never really give a shot. I think that's the biggest takeaway and the biggest positive or sell for Imam Box. So like last month, I got you know a bunch of different companies of products that honestly, I've never bought before. And I'm like, oh, sweet. I get to try these out. If you go to imanbox.com, use the promo code alphabrew, you will save 20% off of your order. This podcast is also brought to you by Truest U. Truest U makes super high quality CBD and hemp supplements. They make their CBD muscle rub, which contains 10 times more CBD than the last company I used, it will help you recover from like, call it like a quad intensive workout, rub some of that stuff post-workout and you will find insane recovery benefits from that. Or if you tweak something, like I've, you know, I tweak my back every once in a while, that helps me recover way faster on this stuff because it's so anti-inflammatory. They also make CBD drops that are very powerful that we use every day as well. But the biggest benefit from Truest U, I'd say, is they actually filter out the THC afterwards. You're getting like a whole plant benefit of that CBD, yet you're having no THC. So go to truestu.com, use the promo code AlphaBrew, you will save 25% off your order. Last but not least, this podcast is brought to you by us, Alpha Brew Coffee. We make uh, very high quality specialty coffee. No blends, single origin only, masterfully roasted from the, you know, one of the oldest, longest standing roasters in the country. Everything's done by hand. Nothing is efficient, right? We just use pure American elbow grease. We infuse our ground coffees with nootropics, so better focus, energy, recovery, performance, decreased jitters and crash associated with caffeine. We also make CBD coffee, which is our best selling now, and the benefits are insane. Go to alphabrewcoffee.com, use the promo code alphabrew you will save 20% off of your order. Our guest for this podcast is the man himself, Kelly Starrett, doctor of physical therapy, founder of Mobility Wada, guy who invented you smashing your tissues in a lacrosse ball. That's him. We have a super in-depth, fairly nuanced conversation about movement, about health, about injuries, 
all that stuff. Pretty cool. Without further ado, my man Kelly Starrett. Um, Terrence, cool. So I got Kelly Starr right here, uh, founder of Mobility Wad, owner of San Francisco CrossFit, great dancer, um, or, uh, most importantly. Yeah. Um, people don't, uh, national champion in kayaking, right? Some, something like that. A long time ago. Something like that. Yeah. Um, broken athlete. But, yeah. Yeah. Broken. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, time you invited us to your, to your seminar, you were like, yeah, see this wrist doesn't bend. I'm like, yeah, what's up with it? I was like, well, yeah, just do that. You're like, no, 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 it doesn't do that. I'm like, okay. You're like, yeah, just don't, don't, don't uh, break yourself beyond the point of fixing it. Yeah. I went through all my wrist credits as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, yeah, didn't yeah. realize this was, this was a really long game, right? I mean, yeah. you know, I, I think that frames this is that, you know, we live in work in times and it's about now and it's so difficult to have context in everything we do. And, I think when you're in your 20s and even early 30s, you can just get away with murder. And that's because the human being is so robust. We are so anti-fragile. The tissues, you know, and thank goodness, I, you can think of it this way. You know, kids will fall down 10,000 times before they start to take that first step. 10,000 little yeah. sit-downs, fall, cruising. That means that their human being is designed to make mistakes. We're designed to be ridden hard and put away wet for a while while we figure it out. So the question is, do you ever figure it out? And yeah. the, the context here is, hey, in your 20s and 30s, that's a long time to figure it out. If, if we look at the, just the, the length of the human being, we're going to be 100 years old, whether you like oh, it or yeah. not. I mean, people are going to oh, yeah. last that long. We are that durable. You're definitely, your knees are designed to last that long, if not your gonads. So maybe not your gonads, but definitely your joints. Yeah. You mean to say that the knee is not a poorly designed, weak joint? Like most doctors, like, yeah, the knee is just not a good design. It's flawed. <laughs> two and a half million years of evolution. So, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and I, I think there's two ideas here. Well, on the first idea is that, hey, we are, we are durable. And that means that we have time to lay down these first principles. And you just, you can't take the liberties. And, and, that, and that's so, it's such a common experience. Hey, I always get away. I could get away with it for so long until I couldn't. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Nothing changed. What changed was you became stressed, tissue tolerances, you got old, your testosterone, you've been head trauma. Choose something in that, you know, there's a, a notion of this biopsychosocial model. That means, hey, you're not just an elegant meat machine. You're a, you're a complex psychomotor human. And your stress matters, your sleep matters, nutrition matters, your movement matters. Right, your down regulation matters. Like you cannot cheat your physiology and yep. the relationship with your partner, your wife, your husband, how stressed your kids are. If someone gets sick, it all matters. And it, yep. what it does is I heard this great example of thinking about global warming in terms of Lance Armstrong, which means we knew Lance Armstrong was on the gear. Mm -hmm. And if we went back in time, he was a great cyclist, but we went back in time instead of saying um, these, him taking all of these performance enhancing drugs, if he didn't take them, maybe he was second. Maybe he would have been fourth in this race. What we know is that it, it, ex it exaggerated and turned up his capacities writ large. So it, it, it's, a, it's a little bit like global warming, right? Global warming, climate change has, has magnified some of these storms that would have happened, has magnified some of these swings in weather. Yeah. Well, I think we can say the same thing sort of around stress on the human body is that it, it magnifies and accelerates some of the processes, which may just be sensitization. It just may mean I've irritated a tendon interface. It may just mean 
hey, you know, I just, you know, put a crease in the disc or I, I got a hot joint or there's some aspect. And so what we think the, the problem is that every human, every performance coach on the planet has been talking about, hey, did you sleep? Did you eat food? You know, are we down regulating you chilling? Like that's been a conversation around human performance for as long as there have been humans. Yeah. And yet if we take that into the real world, how does that go with our war fighters? It's not, you know, you sleep when you can sleep, you eat, you eat the flight meal because you just come out of the helicopter and that's a little Debbie snack cakes and a monster and whatever you can calories you can get down because you're going to go back out. Yeah. So there's times where we can say, Hey, look, let's ride the robustness of the human being, not worry about it. Let's control yeah. what we can control. And then the rest of the time we need to pay that debt back because you're going to be a hundred. So we come back into this idea that, what are the, the building blocks of being 100 years old? What does that look like? And we can be really specific that, you know, your biggest risk as, a, as an elderly person is fall. If you fall yeah. and break your hip, the mortality rates, the sequela is really high. Well, it turns out that correlates really well with lacking of ankle range of motion. So if you yeah. don't have good ankle range of motion, your center of balance and motor control is altered when you're older, you know, Cue the thing. When did that start? Well, maybe you yep. need to start paying attention to that in your 20s. But until we say this is important and until we can match that and get beyond this conversation of we should do this or not do this because we may get injured, that doesn't change anyone's behavior. You know, yeah. look at the smokers out in the world. I mean, I was just in France not too long ago and they were like, they're giving me crap about being an American. And I was like, you people are smoking. Like, you can't give me crap about anything. And they're like, but we are still very fast and very handsome. And I was like, you're smoking. <laughs> and we're pretty sure we've run the data on this. But the problem is it's really difficult because human beings are so good to make this correlation between inputs and outputs. And so now we're really trying to shift our thinking around saying, what can we control? And the decisions we make are all about returning capacity, returning yeah. ability. So if you're listening to this, for example, what I want you to do is freeze in your position. Don't move your shape. Wherever you're sitting, slouching, driving in the car, and I want you to take the biggest breath you can, okay? Through your nose, we can measure that volume. Now, I want you to put yourself into a position where you can actually take the biggest breath that's available to you. And what you'll see is that most people will sit up automatically, most yep. people's posture, whatever that is, right? Which means spinal position, that's what the Latin root for posture is. So suddenly, you'll see that people will self-correct into a shape that gives them better function. And if we can get that interoception, that feeling back across a whole bunch of different domains, then we're making decisions and returning people's shapes and patterns, not about, hey, we think this is more durable because this crappy piece of research done on 18 to 20 year olds at college of 10 people says better, but we know that you can take a bigger breath. It translates to better function. You can breathe more effectively. Your head turns, check, 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 yep. check. And if people can feel that, they will make decisions automatically and do the right thing automatically without having to do some remedial BS work. And that's what you've reframed for any kind of athlete as well. Cause I think you said before, you're like, well, man, if we get you to be with better, if we get you to move with better mechanics, it's hard to say that we're going to uh, prevent or decrease the possibility of injury because we've, you, like you said, you've seen people move like absolute dog crap and they just don't get injured. But you can say with like pretty much definitiveness that like if you have better mechanics you will perform better and that's what people care about is like you said another kellyism is like hot nasty performance right dude it, right and that's the thing that we can measure and chase and so we can improve your function well it turns out we improve your function that's also a more durable position that tr position transfer more and i think you know um 
my wife uses, she hates it when I use this word normal. Like you have normal range of motion. She's like, dude, how many people are normal? She's like, that makes me feel like I'm dysnormal, abnormal. And so the question is, what is the human body supposed to be able to do? Yeah. And so maybe that's an ideal range or complete range or full, full range. Yeah. And what we should understand is it's absolutely okay. There's no value judgment. If your job wearing combat boots, wearing cleats, doesn't matter what your job is typing all day. You have to, you're a driver. These things happen. But now what we we're, we're can say is, Hey, does your movement practice go beyond general physical preparedness? Yes. Your insulin sensitivity is up and you can run a one K or bike or elliptical and bicep curl into are you in your movement practice trying to reclaim your indigenous and native capacities? Yeah. And that freedom of motion is also economy of motion. And so, you know, if you're deployed on, you know, down, down range and you get one MRE for the next 24 hours, and I want an efficient athlete who can arrive on scene, eat, <laughs> eat those 3000 calories and then still have, you know, I don't want that guy to show up with his handbrake on, you know, grossly inefficient, yeah. you yeah. know, in a smoked position, breathing through his mouth like a mouth breather. Like th there's a lot of efficiency to be gained there. And so what we want to do again is, is reframe what is it we're supposed to do? How do we get there? And I, I think we're at a, at a time culturally where we can start, and I want people to start to divide what they see on the internet in sort of three categories. One category is GPP, general physical preparedness, which means I have some base metabolic skill. I have some base strength. I'm, I'm fitnessing. And that's what we call it. Fitnessing, right? Let's before, like, if you can't do 10 push-ups, I don't care how elite you are. You can't do a pull-up. What the hell are we even talking about? Right? That's GPP. But now the second category and, and that, and, and technique matters, but we're going to just need to practice a lot there, right? That's what that young skill is. The second category is what we call sports preparation. And sports preparation means that I'm moving in ways that translate better to sport, to application, that I jump and land with my feet straight so that I can run with my feet straight, so that I can generate better stability through the hips, so that my running is more effective. So, right, that there are principles underlocking some of the movement that translate universally in coordination and skill to all other movements. So we define, for example, best athlete as which athlete can pick up the new skill the fastest. Yep. You have yep. had – You've had girls that you know who are like, oh, I can, oh, backflip. I've, I've never done that before. Boom, backflip. And you're like, what yep. the hell, right? They can pick up the new skill. You can present them with a new problem and they can come up with a motor solution to that problem on the spot. And you're like, dude, you've never seen this obstacle course. And they're like, you know, Dune, like Paul Atreides and Dune, you know, that seemed the right way. So, so yeah. here, here's the key is what is it about those preparations? It wasn't the size of the engine. Certainly, just because they could front squat or they could do 10 pull-ups didn't mean they could transfer. So yeah. sports preparation starts to be a little bit more specific in coordination and looking at open skills. It turns out that flexibility or mobility or range of motion is one of those premier characteristics that could limit power, force, cardiorespiratory capacity, metabolic capacity, right? You just can't get in the shape. You're highly inefficient. Yeah. So it's important. That last category is what we call sports-specific training, which means if you're deployed on the line, what we should be doing is training specifically for your job, making you maybe sacrifice from your general physical characteristics, fitnessing, maybe even sacrificing some of your sports-specific skills so that specifically you can do this job. And then my training also not only makes me better at my job, 
but is restorative just enough so that I don't become so specialized I become injured, right? So that means that if yeah. I have swimmers, how much do my swimming sprinters need in terms of cardiorespiratory capacity training? I'm going to give you a hint, zero. What they need to do is become more coordinated. They need more better learning. So sports-specific training supports sports. G sports preparation creates movement languages that are universally applicable. So when I'm deployed or I'm in a sport, my training looks a little bit different than when I come back and say, okay, how do I broaden my palette and template? Don't confuse GPP. And so when you see people fitnessing on Instagram, it doesn't matter. And guess what? It doesn't apply. And that's what we've been doing. You know, if my body looks good, man, it sure doesn't always work that well. Right. And there are yeah. always outliers in there. But when we begin to see that, we can start to say, Hey, what's really important here? What are the, what are the signatures of how a good movement happens? And now what we've been trying to do for the last decade is say, Hey, look, we have a model that we proposed about how the spine works about how we think about movement around the spine. When we see spine deflections, we have a model of how the shoulders and hips work. Turns out that these models of movement help us explain what we're seeing. They help us predict that GPP, or excuse me, sports preparation, those motor patterns into actual sport and performance. So we can predict those movement patterns. And more importantly, we can begin to layer in what movement what, what we call movement compensation looks like. So if I see someone moving inefficiently, I have a template to predict that and I can yeah. adjust it and then I can ask why. So that's the key. As we go from GPP to sports, the error that we're allowed to make gets smaller and smaller. And we want to be a little bit more sophisticated in how we're solving these problems and what applications we are. And so things become more important down that funnel chain. But in the meantime, if you can't squat all the way down and take a poop in the woods, You've got some problems, you know, and uh, yep. what we need to do and have done a poor job and we can do a much better job is show people this is what we think you should be able to do. And yep. if you can't do it today, it's not your fault. It's because no one said you got to keep an eye on this. So yep. now you can keep an eye on it and then let's chase back. And we may never get there because if you wear body armor or sit at a desk or throw a swing a tennis racket one side, you're going to always be dysfunctional away mm -hmm. from that GPP sports preparation model. So we're just going to chase normative experiences in full, full normal range. That's okay. That's what sport and training is supposed to do. Yeah. Is that, I mean, so it doesn't that just strengthen the argument for mobility where guys can't, it's hard for people to understand. Well, wait, like when do I ever like, besides like squatting a poop in combat, when do I ever have to squat that low? And it's like, well, no, you don't have to squat that low but your ability to be able to move in that range of motion just gives you so much more yeah. room. Gives you so much yeah. more room. Like let's say, let's say you do take a hard fall on a fast rope. Well, dude, if you don't have like the hip, the internal rotation and the calf range of the anchor range of motion to actually take that fall, that something's going to go somewhere. Give. Yeah. Something's going to give. Right. So things like that in terms of like justifying why you should have that normal yeah. range of motion to athletes and that don't necessarily always move in that 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 space so you know you're a marine and i'm going to ask you to get up and down off the ground with a hundred pound pack at some point yeah, you're going to adopt some you're going to adopt something that looks like a lunge you're going to yeah. adopt into something that lowers yourself to ground even into a shooting stance right yeah are you have you ever gone over a wall that's the hip range of motion expressed in a squat but i don't really care how much you can squat, I care that you can squat. So, yeah. you know, kids, for example, what we're looking at, so my daughter, my oldest daughter plays water polo. 
And one of the things that we work on all the time for her is overhead squatting, front squatting, overhead squatting. And that, if you're not doing those things, is like a goblet squat. <clears throat> or if you're not doing that, it's code for can you squat up and down with your torso upright, which looks like how I would guard someone in basketball, which looks like how I would tackle someone, which looks like if I handed you a sandbag from the ground and you had to stand up, you wouldn't bend over and have that sandbag drop off your chest. You try to keep your torso upright. So that's a pretty good movement that trains squatting with upright torso. And so what you'll see is you go into the literature and you talk to the master coaches, they'll say things like, Hey, I really prefer front squatting because it yeah. allows us to express better range of motion and we have to have more skill at the hip and the ankle to squat with the torso upright. And that transfers yeah. to more sport. So Georgia's, we do that a lot. We've been doing that her whole life. She's pretty good at it. She goes and plays water polo at a tournament and the normal goalie isn't there. She jumps in as goalie the first time and two things happen. One is that the ball starts coming you know, at her and she's never played goalie and water polo before, but she's been playing uh, volleyball her whole life. So she has this pattern recognition of understanding, anticipating. Then she can rise up out of the water <laughs> like, like she's like being raised <laughs> from the dead with this vertical torso because she can egg beat her with her torso upright. And it turns out. You explain out, that real quick for how people don't know how to tread in water polo or so in, you, in general. Ima yeah. Imagine if you're sitting in a chair and you just make little circles with your legs, that's egg yeah. beatering. So in order. So external rotation of the hip kind of like squatting. Is but that. Imagine you've got to be able to pull your knee up to your chest and generate lots of force there. Yeah. So your capacity to egg beater in a flexed position, basically, can you generate a ton of force in this flexed position? That's how you get your torso out of the rider. Well, Georgia is really adept at that. And one of the ways is not only does she play water polo in practice, but she's got this movement language, this, mm -hmm. this sports preparation language that means that those motor patterns are novel, can handle novelness, and can problem solve because they're universal shapes. And what you'll see, for example, this is a great example. I see guys in the wind tunnel, like the PJs. I've been out with, yep. spent a bunch of time with them, and they all love to try to sit fly in the wind tunnel. Yep. And they can't sit fly, and they always flip over on their back. And it's hard. Sit, <laughs> sitting, sit flying is hard. They're well, it very turns hard. out if you don't have any in hip flexion, it means your knee can't come to your chest, you end up extending so your leg goes past 90, you flip on your back. If yeah. you can't steer with your legs because you don't have any internal rotation, you can't sit fly. So yeah. sit flying is not necessarily a skill of feeling the air. It's a skill of my body can't do what's required physically in terms of the positions and shapes. So those are really seems like extreme positions. But now let's talk about the efficiency of getting up on off the ground. Let's talk about the efficiency of, of jumping and landing and absorbing force because that's how injury happens is that my body – can't be into a great shape it will come up with a movement solution for me that i've gotten away with until i was 19 or 20 and then lo and behold so <clears throat> we asked this question for a lot of our older coach friends how many and th th you're a little bit younger than i am but in high school my wife's sitting next to me how many kids tore their acls in high school kids jay none there was one kid in my whole school who tore his acl and we were like dude what's wrong with you, you tore your acl like what are acls <laughs> now the ACL rate injury rate is through the roof and yeah. the, the data is now like five years old, but kids under 14 up 400% in the last 10 years. Of ACL UCSF players? Medical school, yeah. UCSF medical school or UCSF Brutal. up on the hill. 
there is an operating room that goes 24 hours a day that operates just on ACLs and kids. Girls are tearing their ACLs at six to eight times the rate of men. And I'll ask you, what is going on? What is going on fundamentally is that we've seen the fundamental dismantlement of robust humans, which takes a long time, and combination with restricted range of motion and specialization. So now we're going to, in order to talk about your ankles and your hips, we're also going to have to talk about, do you sit all the time? Do you eat food? What's going on? And you'll see the, the recent RAND report that came out said, how many of us Americans, just civilians, are deployable? 80% of us are not. We're, Dude, we're it's a out huge of shape, issue, so yeah. You know, the military is suffering right now. They're having a really hard time. And what they're seeing is they're at the, the pointy end of the spear around lifetime of people who've not been loaded forever and ever. So at a cellular level, if you want your tissues to express themselves the way they're supposed to, what you're thinking to yourself, what does that mean? I mean, if you want your Achilles heel cord to work like a heel cord, there's one way to load that. And that's you have to lengthen it. You have to shorten it. You have to hold isometrics and you have to do that a lot. And you're supposed to walk 10,000 steps a day. That 10,000 steps a day, that's the RDA for movement. That means that's the minimum so that you don't yeah. get rickets, so you don't get scurvy. I mean, that's, yeah. that's why we started adding iodine to salt so you don't get a goiter. So if you don't yeah. want to get a goiter in your body, you should walk a little bit more. And what we're saying is that we're seeing this mismatch between the environment and human. And then when it's time to go fast or carry a large load or be under enormous stress. And here, here's a good example. Did you see... Peter Jackson's new documentary about World War One. Have you seen this yet? I've heard it's amazing, but I haven't seen it's, it. Though. It's completely mind blowing, and there's not a single fat person in there. There's not yeah. a single obese person. And remember, obesity is a complex socioeconomic problem, complex psychological social problem. If you and I went to high school, chances of us being diabetic as adults, independent of socioeconomic status, independent of race, one in four thousand. Now, for my generation of daughters. One in four kids is going to be a diabetic. If you're a black woman, it's two out of three. If you're a Hispanic male, it's two out of three. So it's not that people are dumb. People are perfect products of the system. And yeah. that system has given us, you know, I think Yuval Harari said it best. You know, he said, remember Marie Antoinette, she's a legend to say, let them eat cake. Well, that's what our poor people are eating. They're eating cake. Yeah. They're eating sugar. They're eating crap. They drink, they drink juice. They drink gallons of soda and they don't move. And so what ends up happening is that there are big organizations. The army is a big one. It's probably the biggest employer in the world. Guess what? They're responsible for all of this dysfunction. So what we're going to have to think about if we're going to untangle this is a, whose responsibility is it? Where do we begin to put these interventions? People forget that the, uh, what was the presidential physical fitness test? That was all about John F. Kennedy creating yeah. a readiness for people to go to Vietnam and Korea after, after Korea, realizing, holy yep. crap, our kids aren't, aren't ready. And if you read Mobility of a Nation, Soldier's Load, people have been talking about being prepared and having a generation of kids who have been ready more ever than this is, this is the time. So what we need to do is be able to take this big funnel, come back to basics and say what's important. Yep. And what's important is Am I eating foods? Am I eating whole foods? Do I walk? Do I sleep? Do I have a means to downregulate and turn off and deal with my stress? Yeah. Right? Do I feel safe at work? Do am I in a team tribe community? And now we can have the next conversation. 
And I think what we want to do is go to Instagram and get the abs and performance. And many, I know enough mutants that, you know, you can cheat that way. But the other thing is that these capacities and skills are lifetimes work and that's okay. It's okay to say it's going to take 10 years to develop this. That's tricky, but, uh, but the truth. Yeah. But if you, I mean, if you, like you said, it's not really their fault, especially when companies like Coke and Nestle are spending millions a year trying to get you to eat or drink as many of the products as often as possible and they're shelf stable. So they're going to last for years. So it's probably not the healthiest, the healthiest thing for you. And, and how about this addictive and delicious? Yeah. And chemical, so, like, so, so it's, it's biochemical addiction. Yeah. And I think that's, when we get to the bottom of some of these things, it's not an accident that porn, um, social media, sugar, all of these things tap into our animal brains. And we have to yep. recognize that our power against them, especially when they're deployed as psychological warfare, and do not kid yourself, the war that we're in is about money. That's the war oh, yeah. we're in. Drains. And, you know, it's not an accident that that sugar cell, you know, in order to get your beverage on the, the market, let's say you had a, uh, like a, a small beverage that you were trying to get out there, you'd probably spend between four and six million bucks a year just in the right to license, to put your, your drink on the shelf. So people really? are fighting for this. They've commoditized it, the science around it. And what we have to come back to is, again, nothing is evil. Nothing is bad. Sugar is delicious. Should you eat sugar every day? Are you exercising? Are you asleep? Are you rested? Because one yeah. of the things that we, we try to get to the bottom of, my wife and I, is helping people understand that we need to look at these things through the context that we're talking of, of people's lives, right? So we had a friend who was a very high performer. He is a VP. She is a VP at a big company and was drinking two bottles of wine a night to try to turn off so she could feel normal. So that was her coping mechanism. And what you're thinking to yourself is, well, that's dumb. I'd never drink two bottles of wine. I couldn't afford that. So I'll, I'll just take two Ambien and drink, yeah, yeah. drink three, drink three beers. And, you know, in the morning I'll take, I'll have Adderall and, and a bulletproof coffee or you know, check anything that applies there, whether that's THC and caffeine, whether that's Ambien and Adderall, whether that's just coffee and red wine. What you're seeing is that people are trying to solve these problems. It's not an accident that five hour energy is a billion dollar industry, right? Yep. And the idea here is, hey, we're, we have disenfranchised people because we're not showing them how your body works and how you can feel better. And that when you need to go to the ambient, it's because it's important or when you need to go for the caffeine is it really works there. And so I yeah. think it's, um, it's complex and yet we can begin to say, Hey, you need, for example, don't take your phone into the bedroom. How simple is that? Right? Yeah. Keep that blue light away. Yeah. Well, just not even the blue light, but let's just say that you keep the phone in the bedroom. I'm making sure my phone is off right now and you get a little serotonin kick ping, you know, and you're like, yeah. Oh, and then, so what we always well, point dopamine out, drip of Instagram likes, <laughs> dude, it's so good. Thirst. So thirsty. So it turns out that, um, if you get into bed, so we, this is one of our, our, our behavior fixes. If you can get into bed 30 minutes earlier a day, just 30 minutes, not crazy yep. amount. Just get into bed. I'm going to say go to sleep. If you can get 30 minutes extra sleep in two weeks, you've slept an additional night. So everyone complains about not sleeping enough, but there's two weeks. You give me two weeks, three minutes a day, guarantee you, you will have slept a whole nother night. 
think of what that looks like in months yeah. and years. And, and now it starts to aggregate into real change. And yeah, I, I mean, I tell guys that like, hey, a single night of sleep depth, insulin levels of a pre-diabetic. So 30 minutes a night extra, like how much better if you are a person that has some, some pounds to shed, how much better is 30 minutes a night breaking it down? Like you said, a very small amount per night. How much is that alone going to impact your like your lifestyle and your fitness goals? Um, and uh, going back to, <laughs> to like, speaking about porn, you said like how like addiction and stuff. Can you tell the story when Mobility Wad was really blowing up? You were like, we got to streamline this website. Like we have, at the time you probably had thousands of videos. You have even more now. This is years ago. How did you streamline that website? Well, we'll start with saying that we started this project. This is never intended. This was, we started the whole thing because what we were teaching a course. We were seeing patients and athletes, but I was coming home and telling my wife, I was like, dude, there's the same seven problems. And I just saw this really sophisticated guy and his problems with his quads were stiff. That's why his knee pain. You can't, yeah. you know, like he took a day off from work. He saw me like, what, why are you moving that way? Why are you doing that? Why don't you, you know, if your check engine oil light is on, put some oil in the car. It's not that big a deal. So we yeah. started making a video a day. And when we started that, the iPhone didn't have a video camera. That freaks people out. And secondarily, yep. You, it, you definitely didn't have a video camera. You couldn't upload to YouTube and YouTube was barely a thing. So we started filming on yeah. Cassia. We downloaded on Blogger, make a video day for a year. That's our commitment. I'll just brain dump how I'm solving problems, how we see it. And we'll just see if we can raise everyone's game a little bit. Fast forward now a few years and you end up collecting quite a few videos. And yeah. uh, my CEO, brilliant CEO wife, um, who re realized that we needed to wrap our heads around this monster back when we started this thing in, the, in, in its original iteration, went to website, the only people who were handling that number of videos were porn sites. So yeah. she and her brother, who's this brilliant architect, genius, they basically you know, looked around and said, the only people who are doing this well are porn sites. So they became experts in porn architecture, which I appreciate. And uh, she's, shake, she's shaking her head right now. But um, you know, one of the really fun things is we've got another iteration of the site coming out. Really? Because what we're realizing is that, okay, now we've gotten people to this level. We need to bring the people who are not users up mm -hmm. to speed quickly and then do better job streamlining content and giving people recipes who are experts so they can chip away at it. So we're getting better at our jobs and spending a lot of time trying to serve this population of people who are saying, okay, okay, okay. I am going to be the agent of change for my unit, for my cadre, for my group, yep. for my team, for my family. And that's all it takes. We feel like if we can empower one person, they become a super node and they can begin yep. to disseminate. And that may be the met combat medic, you know, that may be, yep. that may be the, a local physio that may just be a coach. We believe that if we, have a fundamental conversation about pain versus injury. And I ask you, do you have pain? Most people raise their hands. And we were just at a high school last week and out of 20 kids, I think one kid did not raise her hand that she was in pain and wow. had some kind of back foot pain, shoulder pain, knee pain, back pain. And so I was like, well, do you guys consider yourselves injured? And they were like, well, I guess not. I was like, well, you play sports, right? Does it stop you? Does it, does it hinder you? So what they think is, Hey, pain is a normal experience. So we define yeah. Pain, injury is, can't do my job, can't play my sport, can't occupy my role in society. 
and, or there's a bone sticking out of my skin, something obvious, right? Like you're injured, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. And those injuries are clear. And that's why we seek medical professional help. Pain is not an injury. It, it's an important diagnostic tool that tells me a lot about what's going on. And that may, I, I may be doing nothing except become sensitized and come back up. And, and that uh, because of, I got so stressed and start drinking or partying or stiff or, you know, mm -hmm. rode in a Humvee, you know, in a 200 degree heat for five hours, whatever it was, something sensitized me. And then the other idea here is, well, who's responsible? Who, who has that information? The physio, the doctor, the Cairo, the osteo? No, the training partner does. You do. Your coach does. So suddenly we should be able to get ahead of these really simple musculoskeletal problems, inefficiencies right when they pop up. And that's where the place to address them. So who's responsible? The, the general cadre, not the strength coach, that specialist, it's the generalist who may be the person delivering the PT for the group, maybe the group itself, group thinks this, maybe the combat medic or the core person, corpsman. So now we're, we're decentralizing who's responsible for this. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna have this Venn diagram overlap where, hey, I have people who've said, okay, it's, I've tried to desensitize this, I've gotten some blood flow back in, I've decongested it, I've tried to restore my range of motion, I see that I have this deficit of range of motion that may be con contributing, right? And okay, that didn't fix it. Now I go see my expert. And so now yeah. we've streamlined the, the thing and the person who's taking a crack at addressing those things on the other side of that injury wall also understands the context of that. Hey, I see that you have pull-ups when you pain with pull-ups when you're wearing body armor. Okay. Does that tell us, does that change something about this? So now we're addressing within the context, making changes to the environment, managing the issue, right? Versus I go lay down on my physical therapist table and she says, what's the wrong? You're like, my knee hurts when I run. And she hasn't watched me run. She doesn't know what I look like yeah. when I fatigue and run. Like she doesn't know what shoes I run. She doesn't know my volume. I have to explain everything. Worse is that I see the doctor who has got eight minutes to make, it out, make a diagnosis, right? So yeah. when I'm injured, boom, go down that pathway. If I'm not injured, Man, it is on us to take a crack at fixing this. Yeah, that's a really, I keep telling people, I'm like, he, people go to doctors, I'm like, yeah, my knee hurts. I'm like, dude, your doctor isn't like a PT. Your doctor, like, they know, like, things of the body, but, like, if they saw you running, they'd be like, uh, don't run so much, you're getting old. You're like, well, I'm looking at your feet right now, you're coming valgus every time, you're wearing these hokas, which are these giant heels, so your Achilles heel is not being lengthened, right? Like, you're just running on a giant pad. But like, yeah, you're, you're unwinding your knee every friggin' time you step and you're like driving with the e-brake on, right? It's like that people just expect too much from doctors. Doctors are phenomenal. They learn a lifetime of information in a matter of years, but like they're there to bring people who are about to die and just bring them back to like sedentary normal. Pathology, injury, pathology, injury, pathology, injury. That's why I see a physician. I have a growth. I have yeah. cancer. I, something's wrong. Yeah. I've got an infectious disease. I've been shot. I've been in a car accident, bones sticking out. You, we want, you want your doctor's my friend. My father's yeah. my physician. So is my grandfather comma. It's you would not take your car to your veterinarian. So stop it. And 50% yeah. of a, the problems of an average physician will see typical physician will see a muscle skeletal nature without any of the context. Does your doctor talk to you about your sleep? Does your doctor talk yeah. to you about your stress? How are you managing it? How did you move? Did you warm up? Look, and we're going to make errors. So here's, here's a good example. I'm pretty good at this stuff. I recently was, 
I'm 45 years old. I got out of the truck when we were after a car ride. We were up in the mountains. I was wearing some shoes someone wanted me to test out. My feet didn't feel very good in them. And I didn't do a really thorough warm-up. And I have been biking a ton, right? And sprinted, did repeats on this hill, and gave myself a wicked case of plantar fasciitis. Bam! And I was like, damn it. Like, that's my fault. So I do the after-action report. Did I warm up? Nope. <laughs> was I adding a ton of volume on something else, keeping an eye on stiffness? Nope. Right? Was I wearing the right shoe? Nope. Like, you know, should I have probably, did I get some pre-contact cues that that was about to happen? Damn right. And now I'm like, oh, look, everyone can make mistakes. I have an action. So what do I do? I have a way of putting the flames out, restoring my motion, keeping my function. I'm not injured. I have sensitized the tissue. I've created some kind of pain result from this incomplete mechanic or challenged tissue. It's not the end of the world, but I better have a plan. And that's yep. the thing we've done to people. We've said, oh, just ignore it. Hope it goes away. Don't use it. Yep. Don't yeah, have stay a plan. We don't trust you with the plan. Wait until we give you these non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or have to do surgery or ultrasound. Right? Dude, 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 dude. As we say, there's another step between the squat rack and the doctor's office. There is another step between the track yep. and going to see the chiro. There has to be. And what we haven't done is, is put into context what good movement practice looks like. You know, so you're, look, we're going to squat today. We're going to front squat and run and we'll do some pull-ups. Okay. That's our main piece that we're doing, right? Those things, however you want to do it. You don't believe in front squatting. Great. We're going to swing kettlebells and something else, but your warm up is your chance to touch shapes and positions and ranges that you may or may not use today, but they may or may get used somewhere in some time. So you want to keep an eye on those things. And suddenly you can use this hour, this magic hour in the gym to be doing some animal flow, crawling, skill, play development, coordination, exploration of end ranges. That's what that's about. It's not just about can we get more volume in, more supersets, another tiny wad on the top. And when we begin to repurpose what that magic hour in the gym training looks like, it's not just let's run another eight minute mile and do another 200 pushups. We can get a lot more sophisticated. Yep. And in that real time, all the training we're doing gives us an opportunity to be curious about why we're inefficient or what's going on because that's a moving target. Because if you don't believe me, fly to San Francisco, take a red eye, sit in a coach seat all night, you know, be hung over and we'll just see how well you move the next day. I yeah, guarantee you it's a, it's a moving target. That's a perfect example of people just want to do more work. I'm like, think about this though. How much more work you're, you guys are like, we're really cross it military law enforcement. Like you're in shape. How much more do you have to do? How much more work of running or working out to do to get a minute off of this runtime? Oh, a ton. Okay. But what if you spent five minutes drilling like your Achilles heel and getting more capacity so you can like put more power out. And I give an example. I have a friend, a long time ago, uh, he could, he was just genetically gifted, muscular, he could squat 185 because his mobility was so terrible. And I was like, dude, listen, we're going to open your hips up. We're going to just floss. We're going to open everything up. So rotation, internal, calf range of motion, maybe a month later, 100 pounds to his back squat, purely because he had more mobility. He didn't get stronger. He just had yeah. the ability to express and create torque because he had more range of motion in his hips. And that took a few minutes a day 
right? As opposed to yeah. just crushing more and more work in the gym. Be like, let me just put more work in. It's like, dude, but what's an easier route here? Like putting more work in and then obviously you're stressing the body more. It takes more calories. It takes a lot more strain, a higher rate of injury because you're doing more work when your tissues can't actually like take that capacity or we're going to work on things that we can become more efficient, you know, instantly create more torque and more range of motion in a matter of minutes. And that's what you yeah, guys have done. I think you've done an amazing job with is that, that piece for people who well, get it and digest that. Decentralize it so that we have experts all over the planet managing that. Yes. And then, you know, we test that hypothesis all the time. I mean, this is just an open model. So every model has to be explanatory, predictive, and repeatable. And, you know, it also for us has to scale across cohorts. So is this still constant when I'm working with my daughter's 10 year old team? Is this constant when we're working war, you know, pressurization and intra thoracic pressure when my athlete is snatching the American record or setting the all time powerlifting record because we mobilize his hips. We test this at the highest levels of sports that you can imagine or the gnarliest conditions. Then we say, all right, we know that this is, this works really well. And the issue I can imagine if you just bumble through your life and you're just kind of in this little tiny movement window, then you don't ever, you're never exposed until suddenly you are, until you fall on an outstretched hand, you know? So, you know, when people fall and they foosh, yep. fall on an outstretched hand, um, you know, and some people dislocate and some people don't, you know, that, that's yep. less mysterious to us. You know, when you develop a shoulder impingement because we did, you had to go for a swim or you had to swing on the monkey bars, all of a sudden that's, that should be less, less mysterious about why that happened. And so, again, as we try to simplify what is arguably, look, the brain unequivocally is the most complex, sophisticated structure in the known universe, period. Yep. Come at me. There's nothing more sophisticated. That happens to be attached to a pretty complex body. So now you have this system that is the most <laughs> complex system on the universe. And you thought you could take some turmeric and cheat to sleep on that thing. <laughs> it's a tumor, I, mean, yeah. dude, I mean, come on. It's a little bit more sophisticated than that. So what we try to do is say, okay, where, where do we begin? And we, and the physiology and the capacity of the human being have been chased by human beings for as long as they're in human beings. I mean, we have, I mean, that guy ran the original marathon and then someone was like, nice time, bro. I mean, he died, but uh, he still nailed it. Yeah. And he ran it, you know, barefoot and killed, you know? So, um, you know, Thor, half Thor, Bjornsson walked the mast, right? There was this huge mast that weighs like 5,000 pounds or something. And he walked it three steps or five steps and the record, which was made by a Viking giant like 2000 years ago was one step less. So what I think to myself <laughs> is, well, for 3000 years ago, 2000 years, thousand years ago, there's some giant eating goat and sleeping and whatever and whole milk and, and God knows what else. And he walked that thing that that's how all of the drugs, all of the advanced training, all of the recub, we get one more step. One and it's more, not saying one more step. One more step. That's how long human beings have been fabulous. That's how long human beings yeah. have been durable. That's how long we've been arguing about it. If you look at early, the, the early Prussian military science, they found out that if you march guys with, in the heat, they're going to go you know, 10K. And if you march them in the cold day, they can march 30K. We've been obsessing about weights and packs since before you know, World War II. You know, I just think we, it's our failure sometimes to remember what we know because of the context and then begin this conversation much earlier. And what we really feel like is we 
need to have this conversation with kids. We need to think about creating environments that none of us have to think about what to do with the right thing, right? Like you're not sitting in a chair right now, you know, and, uh, or maybe you are, but I'm perched on a stool and been fidgeting a ton. And if I'm perched on a stool, my, I'm elevated up off the ground. I don't have to think about it. I'm just kind of constantly in motion. So just stay comfortable. Yeah. How do I, that's right. How do I make the environment fit me? And, you know, and, and, the easiest thing for this is, for example, if I don't have any cookies in the house, I don't eat cookies. If I have a bag of cookies in the house, those cookies are going to get consumed 100% of the time. So how do I set my environment up so I do the right thing? And now yep. we're into simple behavior. If I have a group of men and women that show up at 7 o'clock in the morning at the, tr- at the gym, that's when we're training. And I'll yep. show up and do that. And so we, we really have to think about these behaviors as, as much – more central to the human being how do we simplify choices so we don't have to make another decision and then it's okay to for this to take time i think that's really the key we can get you out of pain fast you know resolving your movement dysfunction that's gonna take some skill so let's put the skill back in being a human what were you able to implement working when you did do or if you're still doing work because i remember you were working a lot with a tier one soft guy special operations forces guys you did jumps with a few guys. What were you able, and did you go to SOI as well? I think you went to School of Infantry for the Marine Corps as well. What were you able to, to implement, take away from that on how we can better keep guys that we spend a lot of money on, a lot of time on, like that, that statistic is like... Million or two. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, million or two. And it, like uh, for like recon Marines, dude, two thirds of all recon Marines end up getting 100% disability. Um, I think it's higher than that. I think that's really nice. It might be. Yeah. Oh, you think that's good. I mean, I could tell you from anecdotally, I mean, everybody I know is like at least 90%, you know? Um, So it it, it used to be this pipeline of like, only the strong survive. We want the best dudes. So we will break everyone that we can in selection. Whoever, if they die, they die and we'll get the best ones. And as soon as you can no longer do the job, which is very strenuous, you're out. And it's, it has changed to more of like, wait a minute, we spent all this money, right? We should try and keep these guys in because we're having a large turnover and a loss of mastery and expertise in special operations. And that's sort of like right when I was getting out about like 2008, 2009, probably where people started getting sent to different schools. Like, Hey, how do yeah. the NFL guys train? How do they protect these really important assets? and try to keep them for as long as possible. So, and it's, it's, look, it's tricky, you know, um, you know, the, let me, let me unpackage that. So first and foremost, yep. war fighters are not athletes, they're not tactical athletes. So we shouldn't consider that, right? The, the stress load, the closest thing to a war fighter is uh, a wrestling the WWE. <laughs> That's it. Oh, you get, you know what your job is tonight to get thrown through these ladders. And you're going to yeah. pull all nighter and you're going to drive to the next place. And by the way, you're on the team and you're going no matter what. And cause you're going on what, cause I'm on the team. Right. And I'll show yeah. up for you and, and I'll take this hit. And by the way, you're going to have to look good, but you can't control your food. And I mean, like literally that's, that's the greatest, actually yeah. that's the greatest representation. So when I started hanging out, I, I think you have this notion of, Oh, we can really be specific about our training. Then all of a sudden, when you see the real world application of what's going on, hey, you know, I, I remember, you know, sitting in the back of a C-130 for a couple hours, you know, in a slouch position, taped to some guy's stomach doing a tandem. There's only 110 degrees in there. 
And then, yeah. you know, we, we jumped out high and I spent 20 minutes in the straps where my legs were and went numb. And then I was like, Oh, by the way, I don't even have to run at the ground and fight anyone. I just have to like make my legs work and then walk around and high five. Right. Yeah. So what I started to realize when I saw all of these diverse groups was I changed my hypothesis. And my hypothesis is where a hundred percent of us are in a, an environment that's not conducive to sustainability or durability. So I start with a hypothesis that the system and the job will break you 100% of the time. Where are the places where we can begin to control what we can control? And that means that we can think about, hey, I make this assumption that you can't come out unscathed, but maybe we can attenuate or, 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 or address that in a different way, which means we have to think crit critically about the environment. So, you know, if you're a team guy, you know, and part of taking away, you know, part of you put away the gear and you're doing team gear first. Well, you could be drinking some water with salt you'd be having a shake there, right? You haven't eaten in a while, like while you're putting away team gear, we could be turning that around. We could, once you turn the bird back in, you can do the preventative maintenance on the helicopter on your T spine, right? You, yeah. There's just got to be routines where some of the preventive maintenance gets built into the system. Yep. And we have to say, in this situation, we can control this. Can I sleep in an eye mask? Great. I, maybe I can't sleep in earplugs because you need to hear what's going on. But this eye mask means that I can sleep in a dark place, yep. right? Maybe I could bring my own sea salt so that at least I'm absorbing the water that I'm drinking. So we start, we start to think differently about the environment. And I got real about the fact that I'm like, well, you know, why does your neck hurt? Well, when you pull eight, nine Gs and you're wearing an 11-pound helmet, you yeah. know, your neck is going to get screwed. And then, you know, look, I would, I would talk to the, the, you know, the Eagle drivers and they would say, oh, yeah, I back off the, the G turns, turn my head again, come back on the gas and then get locked into a new position, come off the gas, turn my head again, lock, lock on. So they basically just take the joints as hard end range as you can. And you can do that for a while. <laughs> 150 pound oh head it's totally fine it's totally fine yeah. your head weighs 10 pounds you know for every inch in front of your body it's plus 10 pounds just do the math you know yeah. if, you're, if you're in a if you're in not a if you're in a rotary wing what are what are the oscillations you know and you're wearing a chicken plate you've got that nods and you know yeah. you're doomed and god forbid you're not you know you're taller than 510 so let's just say that the environment 100 percent of the time doesn't make humans thrive that means we need to think about how we're preparing people for those loads yep. that we can't always assume that the things that get us here keep us here at yes. the end of people's careers when they're in their thirties, forties, and fifties, when they're really good athletes, really good war fighters, that's when the tissue tolerances start to come down. Yeah. What we're learning about overpressure, what we're learning about IED explosions, you rattle that into pituitary, suddenly you don't make as much growth hormone, you don't make as much yes. testosterone. You start yeah. to fall apart. You're a knight. You're a you're basically a vampire because that's when guys go out. So we've we've destroyed all of the homeostasis around the human being, and we can do that for a long time. What's our plan then? If we can't control that when we come off, then we better have a plan to sort of regenerate or control what we can control on the other side. And what we don't do is sort of see that as a, as continuity. We don't begin to say who is responsible for this, and yeah. and that means that means. And I think people are getting smarter. I think, you know, the SOI, Definitely. you know, um, we came down with a bunch of lacrosse balls. They had massive impingement problems. We showed them that they could lay on a lacrosse ball, get that T-spine moving a little bit, and their shoulder impingements dropped to almost zero. And the next time I went back, boy, everyone's deployed with a lacrosse ball. 
And they're like, oh, yeah, we've always done this. I'm like, hoorah. Like the, Marine, the Marines can always, you know, they make change. So, but in a big organization, <coughs> the really interesting thing is how do you make change across a massive organization? And that takes time. And yeah. what we've come to believe is that the, what we call the glacial pace is the breakneck pace. And the seeds we planted with all the young lieutenants and young captains a decade ago, all of those men and women are now in positions of control and positions yep. of, of, of leadership. And they are the senior leadership. They're all the majors, lieutenant colonels, and they're driving the change. And now you're going to start to see. So we're going to need a generation of old guys and girls to, to retire. The young people who come up and say, hey, I think there's a better way or there's a, there's a way where we can not solve the problem, but we can improve the problem. So that's, that's how we come to think about this issue. And it's, it's tricky. You know, but the bottom line is if something hurts, you should have a plan to make it feel better. And you yep. should be able to ask someone for that help. And that doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be a doctor involved, right? Or a drug. Yeah. And I, it's, I think you've got, you guys have changed the belief that when something, when something gets damaged, it's not like, oh, like my shoulder just doesn't work anymore. I'm just not going to be able to like do these things. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, dude, we can fix that to like 99% I'll take of 90%. what it was. Like it's not just dead. Yeah, like you can't just be like, yeah, I'm just gonna go lay in the woods and die now. Like the shoulder just doesn't work. I can't hunt. It's like, dude, like you can fix it. And we have, like, I am more bulletproof now, um, even with all the injuries I sustained in service because of like smashing tissues, opening up shoulder capsules, hip capsules, doing all the things that you guys have put out there. I am more bulletproof now than when I was when I was like 22 and active, right? And that's like the yeah. huge thing is being able to so fix things. That's right. And when they pop up or, or, or restore things or improve things. And I, I think the key is that we have to make body restoration, body, yes. body management is part of the, the training experience. So many of us don't grow up learning how to eat. Someone teaches us that this is how, this is what human beings do. Like you need to ask for another serving of vegetables when you go through the channel line period, every single time. Can I have more vegetables? Can I have more vegetables? Yep. Can I have more vegetables? You know, look, they're going to cap you out on how many servings of meat you get, but you're going to get it. No, one will, it'll always be more vegetables. And we have to train people to ask for that. And we have to train people to say, hey, this is, this is how humans move. And this is how warfighters move. And this is how athletes move because it gives us better function. Lets us, our shooting postures are better. Our rotation postures are better. When you enter a room, you don't oversweep. You can ro rotate better, right? All the things that are important to you in that moment come up. Yes. Then we teach people how to get the system turned around. And, and if, if you can take apart a complex weapon system and I mean, he, here's what I think. I have friends who fly Cobras. How many channels are in their heads? How many, how many, how many systems are they managing? Nine, nine channels of communication plus yep. a weapon system plus knowing what's going on. Plus, I mean, if we can manage that, I guarantee you should have a, a solution for when your hip is sore or when your knee hurts or when your ankle hurts. So yep. I, I feel like we can, we have done a crap job, and I'm saying we generally, in terms of human performance and resiliency, of giving those tools and saying, day one, this is what it looks like. And we can, we can start simple, and we can get more sophisticated, but by the time you are an adult in your 30s and 40s, you should have a pretty good working plan for how the things work. I'm talking about your body. Yeah. Is that, I mean, you guys have done that with, with kids too, with schools, like you implemented the first stand-up like no sitting school in your daughter's school, right? In the Bay yeah. Area? Um, no, no, not in the Bay Area, in the world. I, I mean, like it was in the Bay Area, but it was the yeah. first school ever where there's no sitting, which is... Well, there's not no sitting. So that, that's one of those things okay. that gets to think. So it's not about sitting versus standing, it's about moving versus not moving, right? 
Yes. Not so being um, that's right. Not being static in any position. And more importantly, it's about creating an environment where kids can fidget, where they can move. When their body yep. tells them to move, they can wiggle. I mean, I guarantee you, you got in trouble as a kid for fidgeting because yep. that's who you are. And yes. you know what, what we realized was, hey, man, we had applied. We'd done Google Talks. We were talking to high performance about you know, focus and concentration. I mean, someone's got to do a study. If you're listening, take our air traffic control brothers and sisters and have them sit on a stool so they perch so they can stand up and work, but they can perch yep. and get off their feet. They can fidget. What you'll see is that mistakes will drop, period, because movement, wow. blood flow to the brain, concentration, focus, anything yep. that matters, you know, will improve. Have you ever been chewed out by a CEO? Have you ever been chewed out by, by a superior? Yes. Does that person sit down while they're chewing you out? Nope. Are you sitting down when they chew you out? Oftentimes, yes. And those are deep psychological warfare <laughs> tactics going on. You will never have a difficult conversation with your wife sitting down. She yep. will always be standing, pacing back and forth. You yep. will always take the, the call standing. So what we see is, hey, how are, how are human beings best served by the environment? So let's go ahead and just – make the environment. Now we've got 70,000 kids standing in a moving desk. They can sit on the floor. They can perch on stools. We are now 75,000. We're engaged with doing wow. some long-term research with UCSF and, uh, and Cal Berkeley. And what we think is hey, we really have a, an important tool in fighting childhood obesity and creating yeah. environments where kids can move more. And what we find honestly is that a lot of, so one of the nice things about tech, is that when we were just at this high school recently, every kid has a phone. So every kid has a movement tracker built into the phone. So, right. So I say, Hey kids, how much did you move today? And they're like, I don't know. And they're like, well, we haven't moved much because we're at this class. I was like, good, go to yesterday. And I'm going to show them how to do that. The girl's like, Oh, I moved 3000 steps yesterday. I was like, Oh, 3000 steps. You know what your baseline is? She's like, what? 10,000. So here's a kid who's 16 who only moved, she had her phone with her 24 seven, I guarantee you, only moved 3000 steps during the day. So we're movement poor. And then we apply all of our modern training tactics with poor nutrition and poor sleep and, and things incur, you know, in, in, in coming in and, and wrecking the fundamentals. What we get is a normal expression of the system. So a lot of the dysfunction we see around back pain or knee pain or ACLs isn't, isn't outlier stuff. That's just, that's just our bodies who can't suddenly put up with our crap anymore and, yeah. and, and are expressing normalcy in the system. And the problem is if you're 15 or 16 and you've worn a hole in your joint, that's a problem. At some point you're going to be 60 and 70. At some point you're going to be 40. And what we really want to be playing is this long game. Yeah. I mean, I've got four herniated discs in my back. I mean, mostly purely from being deployed and hard train ups. That's right. And anybody, anybody with that injury will tell you, when you when you rebulge, re-hurting at that disc, guess what's the most painful? Sitting, because it is just amplified a thousand times about how bad it is for you to sit, right? Yeah. Like, well, you just you need to be moving. You need to rehydrate the yep. discs. People yep. heal. Discs, as you know, it's very very common. I don't know yep. if you can be a stressed animal carrying a hundred pound pack. You know, uh, the Great Book of War Fighters. Uh, no, uh, what is it? Uh, horse soldiers. The guys went into Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah. Afghanistan. Right? Yep. Great book. I think that was yeah. I think that was Orange Squadron, and yep. um, they um, a bunch of guys herniated discs, or one guy herniated disc on the horse because he was sitting in a flexed position, knees above his chest, without a hip range of motion. That's energy is going to get transferred somewhere. So yep. what we have to be thinking is, hey, some of these things we can prevent. 
And some of these things we can attenuate. So let's control what we can control. And then the rest of it, man, that's why we're supposed to have good medical care because we can get still, and that doesn't have to be the death knell of you. It's a difficult bell to unring, but not impossible as you know. Yeah, I did it. I, I just ended up moving as much as I could, trying to get back to deadlifting, even like just air the PVC pipe. And I just laid off all the junk food and I had to go see a consult for a neurosurgeon. He was like, took me on the MRI. He was like, I don't even know why you're here. What's going on? I was like, I had a, I, they said I blew the disc out. I need, I'm having surgery. Like, you're good. I don't know what happened from now. You're young. You're young. You just, just be careful. Don't, uh, don't lift things heavy anymore. You know, like, and that was, it I was like, yeah, just being able to move, staying, no, it was no NSAIDs and none of that stuff. And it worked, man. Um, I'm going to get, I'm going to get more information on that stand. My kid is just like me. If he, he fidgets, he's so active. They're going to, any regular school be like, this kid needs to be on medication. He can't sit still for the life of him, yeah. but he just we've wants probably, to move. We've been probably been, um, you know, our kids aren't moving. They don't walk to school. They don't, they don't run as much. They just play as much. I mean, yeah. every, every middle school, elementary school gym should look like a move mat gym really should. Yeah. And it should just be, it should just be gigantic jungle gyms everywhere. It should just, you know, that's what it should look like. And kids should be just turned loose, like climb as high as you want to. But, you know, we're going to have to untangle these things. It's a matter of national security. It's a matter of operational security. It's an issue of bankruptcy. We believe that the greatest thing facing the greatest threat is not global warming, climate change. That's important. It's, it's what's happening to human beings that we care about and know and love. Those are our families and our friends. Those are our kids. And, and I think it, we don't have to make it too complex. We can begin to simplify and we have a long time to make change because the human being is that robust. Nothing is emergent, right. but you know, Hey, just see if you can give me a bed 10 minutes before leave your phone in the kitchen. We have a rule. There's no tech in bedrooms period. That's a rule in our house. So then we can have the next conversation. I think we're seeing that now. We're seeing people live to 90 with like a are completely independent, hundred plus years old, very independent on their own. They're working out. They're not in walkers and on bed rest. Um, we're seeing it. Um, I'm excited. When is any deadline for the new iteration of, of the Mobility Award website? We should, we should see it early summer. Early summer is coming, okay. and I, I, I guarantee you'll be mind-blown. We're really excited about what's going on. and you know, we're, we're getting better about how we communicate. Um, we have an incredible staff. Um, we're becoming better at delivering real-world you know, action practicable solutions and we also are seeing a, a group of people who are really sophisticated so we're asking that sophistication those super users to be able to s solve the problems in their community around it and and we really you know the real change is going to happen at the top where we can come top down but the real yeah. power is this decentralized grassroots model and it, it we're going to have to come from both sides okay where can i are what's your last book was about paddling and surfing correct that's right that's right one so uh, we, yeah, we're you know we're working on uh, we had some new projects. That was Waterman 2.0. It's a little love letter yep. to our group. Um, Juliet, my wife and CEO, published that book, so I'm super proud of her. Um, we are uh, you know Stand Up Kids is important. If you're interested in that, check out StandUpKids.org. You know MobilityWad.com. You know one of the things that we have in MobilityWad, come come take our free trial. But we have courses and you know. We have, for example, we have a couple pelvic floor health courses on the, on our site and the male pelvic floor course outsells the female pelvic floor course two to one. 
So what we're seeing is that there's a lot of dysfunction out in the world. Yeah. And we're, we're, we think that you can take a big crack at solving and improving the system. And then what we also want people to do is we have a daily perform, something to do in the gym, and a daily recover. And if we can get everyone on our daily recover tip, it's 10 minutes, but you need a ball, you need a roller, and you can play along in front of your TV in the last 10 minutes before you go to bed and yep. uh, begin to improve your tissue quality. And we, we feel like it's 10 minutes a day is enough to make massive change. So come join us. And, you know, there's small teams like you may have heard of called the All Blacks use us. So uh, it's good enough for them. I guarantee it's good enough for you. Yeah. When you had, I mean, you've had plenty of high level athletes and NFL, NBA doing that just to wind down. Like, yes, you need to turn yeah. off so you can go to sleep. Yeah. Do that. Um, I mean, I've, I've got like nine certs in fitness. Like I learned more on mobility wad, literally about mechanics, about all of movement than all of my certs combined. That's why I tell people how good mobility wad is. I'm like, dude, uh, get on there. You will learn more than you ever really possibly could. No offense to those systems, those, those no, companies, no. agencies, we, but like we're lucky. Guys we, we're innovative. We have a different model. We have the first time that this model has been put together. You know, we, we stress test it, you know, supple leopard. The first half of it is about the model and application. The second half is about restoration of position, where yep. mobilizations are what we call position transfer exercises. And then we have an incredible level one course. that's for anyone that really is just a companion course to the book. So we're, we're helping people, you know, we'll get out there. We've been, we put over 10,000 people through our seminar, our, our level yep. one, and those people are making real change in the world. So we're not new to this. And if it didn't work, people wouldn't be calling us. So we're, you know, the place oh, yeah. we get to go and, and the complex problems we're trying to help people solve and unravel. And one of the things that we really appreciate is that our model and our course the the methodology integrates with whatever you're doing so we're not going to come in and say don't do that we're going to come and say hey this is complementary to your yoga practice complementary to your pilates practice oh you're a power lifter we've got something for you oh you're yep. a warfighter or an athlete we we can help so i mean i think that's what's really key is that this thing this thing works so we're at mobility wad it's mobilitywod.com and uh you know come check us out awesome dude thank you for your time guys check out mobility wad um yeah, Supple Leopard's one of the best books I've got in my house, uh, and what Deskbound as well, right? We're getting better. We're trying. We're trying. We're working on. It. That's right. Deskbound too. So yeah. you know, there's there's fortunately uh, there's a lot of time. The internet makes it confusing. I think social media is what did Lady Gaga say? She called it the toilet of the internet. So, uh, but you know, you can find us on on social media and uh, kind of deep dive there and come over to the site and see what we're about. Perfect, guys. Go there. Free trial. It's awesome. You will not regret it. Thank you, man. Thank you for your time. Good Pleasure. You. Awesome, brother. I'll see you. Thank you so much to Kelly for joining us on that one. Dude, that conversation could have gone for like six more hours where we just nerd out on movement, on, you know, archetypes and practices and, you know, what, what has to be done in our culture to change, to influence for new generations, to make changes for people right now who are injured and need to rehabilitate that stuff. Hopefully didn't get too deep in the weeds. I'm sure in the future we'll have them on and I'll try and do it in person. But, you know, I had plans fall through on that last time. So better to have something than to wait forever and have nothing. But thank you to our sponsors. Thanks to Nova 3 Labs, Truest You, Iman Box. Thank you to you guys for listening. Any support you've given us on social media, buying our products, go to alphabrewcoffee.com. If you're not already following us, we're alpha.brew.coffee on Instagram. Give us a rating on iTunes too, please. That's probably the biggest ask. If you found any value in this, give us 
doesn't have to be five stars. Give us any any rating at all. Uh, helps raise the awareness. Other people searching for podcasts to listen to. Tell your friends. Stay savage. Stay frosty. See you guys.